Hey guys, this is Eric Vento on yet another episode of Government to Private, where we discuss the transition from various aspects of the government to the private sector. With me today is JT Mendoza. JT and I have known each other for quite some time, and I'm super excited to have him here with us today. Thanks for being willing to come on the show, JT. No, thanks for having me, man. It's truly a uh, humbling and and definitely a, an, an honor and privilege to be uh to be able to join you today. And I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I, I tell everybody is that, you know, this is 30 to 45 minutes, but it impacts so many different people's lives through the years because they have a chance to look at it and say, that resonates with me. I understand that I'm not the only one going through that. And so if it helps one person understand that this transition process is attainable and that it's reasonable and that you can be successful, then it's worth it. So again, thank you so much for, for being here with us today. And I can't wait to jump in and, and learn more about your experience and your transition process and some, some words of wisdom that you have for people who are either considering a transition or currently in the, in the, in the throes of it. So let's go ahead and jump in. Um, can you give us just a high level overview of your background pre-corporate? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I have pretty interesting, I guess, um, background in that. Not unlike others, right? But um, I started out professionally uh, serving in the U.S. military. And so, you know, really, um, and even within the military, I could actually, I just thought about this. I even had, um, and, and this is actually one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about, we can get to later, but when I first joined the, the military, I was an intelligence analyst. Um, and I was actually um, sitting at a computer uh, with headphones on, uh, really copying Morse code, if you can believe that. Uh, and so I share that because um, what I realized then, and for those that are listening, uh, if you remember nothing else from this podcast or you decide to shut it off now, what I realized then was that that was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, right? I, I'm an extrovert. Um, and I love engaging people. I love talking to people and and sitting to a computer tied with head, headphones on for 12 hours a day. I was like, this is this is like hell on earth, man. You know, it was like the Texas heat in the summer. It's like 30 days of 115 degree weather. Right. So I was like, this is not what I want. And so luckily for me, I reached a point in, in, in um, sort of that early part of my career you know, being young, young professional, if you will, realizing this isn't what I want to do. And um, I uh, didn't mean I was bad at it. I just didn't want to do it. And and I was lucky enough to win an award, an annual award. And at that award ceremony, um, Air Force OSI was in attendance. And I found out later they attend these things to try to identify high caliber individuals to recruit for um, for their organization, right? For those who may be familiar with, uh, or unfamiliar, I should say, with Air Force OSI, it's uh, the Office of Special Investigations within the Department of Air Force that conducts felony level investigations, right? Everything from, uh, you know, major level fraud uh, to uh, espionage and counterintelligence related issues. And so one of the agents approached me and was like, hey, um, we'd like to talk to you about an opportunity, started kind of explaining what Air Force OSI did, and at the time, um, because of what I did already for the Air Force, um, at the time, um, we were in the, the midst of the global war on terror, right? And I, I just wanted to do my part. I felt like, man, I, I need to be a part of this, right? But because of the world I was in within the IC, um, you know, I could do that from 10,000 miles away. I didn't have to deploy. But I, I just, again, I wanted to serve my country, you know, and I, not to say that that wouldn't have been serving, but I really wanted to be sort of boots on the ground. And so this OSI, everything he, this OSI guy that was talking to me, everything he was saying just resonated with me. And I was like, I got, I got to do this. I got to make this jump. And so I did that. And so, you know, kind of a little transition within a transition, if you will. Right. And so um, served in the, served uh, as an enlisted member of the military for 11 and a half years, really felt after that time, um, kind of a tug on my heart and, and uh, where my family was at the time, you know, it's just my wife and I, but just really felt like um, I wanted to, to it, my time serving in that capacity was, was over. And so I transitioned 
um, really after kind of cutting my teeth and growing up a little bit as a counterintelligence professional, um, you know, I transitioned into government service. And I can tell you, even in that transition, um, you know, I look back now, I actually was very, very close to accepting a uh, corporate security position at that time. And I just, man, I thank God I did not because I would have screwed up big time because there was so much, you know, this really, Eric, this hits at why this type of resource and, and the work that you do is so important, right? There was so much I didn't know about corporate security. There were things I thought I knew and I, had, I was actually so good at interviewing and uh, with interpersonal skills that I had convinced um, the COO of a company that I will leave uh, unnamed to hire me, right? Um, and I mean, it was we had we had negotiated pay. It was it was more than I had made in the in the in my military uh, service, right? Or, or at, at the time, um, I would have been fat, dumb, and happy. But I can tell you right now, I probably wouldn't have lasted six months. You know, I probably would have gotten fired for screwing something up. And and I think oftentimes we can get sort of that tunnel vision and think we know, right? Just because we're good at our jobs doesn't mean you know everything. And so anyway, so I did transition into federal government service. Um, at the time, I was uh, got picked up by DSS, Defense Security Service. Uh, they've um, merged with OPM. They're now the Defense uh, Counterintelligence and Security Agency. And they're really the agency that services uh, the clear defense community. So your Lockheeds, Raytheons. Um, you know, all those those type of uh, companies, anybody who has a, a classified contract uh, or, or cleared contract uh, to do work for the uh, the U.S. government. And they kind of oversee the security apparatus. They provide security assistance, counterintelligence assistance, so on and so forth. And so I went to work for them, did that for a number of years. I actually moved from from the San Antonio area up to D.C., um, and then in that role in D.C., uh, really expanded my network uh, on a joint duty assignment where I spent time at FBI headquarters, um, also spent some time building relationships with others in the community. Um, and then after after that, I jumped over uh, to Defense Intelligence Agency and really got a chance to spend more time um, kind of doing uh, non-traditional sort of counterintelligence things, really uh, operational things. Um, and that was really uh, around that time frame also when I got involved really in insider threat. Um, it's when the U.S. government started to codify insider threat uh, as a sub-discipline, if you will. Um, I was really, again, lucky and, and privileged to be on the uh, task force that drafted the executive order for insider threat and, and got that over to the White House and uh, codified an executive order. So, um, you know, so did that. Um I must have done something right. I got a, a a job bringing me back home and rejoining really where, uh, you know, I had started professionally. I rejoined the Air Force, uh, now obviously in a civilian capacity, but I came down to San, came back home to San Antonio, Texas to help them um, really start to advance their insider threat program. And then um, that was the last position in, in uh, my federal service. I was, uh, you know, uh, one of two deputy directors over, the insider threat uh, hub here in San Antonio, Texas, and um, then transitioned into into the public sector or the private sector. I'm sorry. Awesome. I loved I loved hearing that. I, I, I like or I really like how you kind of played with the transition within a transition. Yeah, you know, because I think a lot of people, they just assume that all public sector is the same. Right. When in reality, like you can really change your 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 job set pretty significantly and um, you know, transition is transitioning. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, I mean, yes, it matters whether we're talking about public versus private, but it's still a major life change. Yeah, definitely. You know, and having the right mindset and preparing for that change, whatever the challenges may be, um, is very, very much you know a part of our stories. You mm -hmm. know, and so I really, I really appreciate that introspective look that you brought into this about, you know, I had an opportunity. I didn't think I was ready. I probably wouldn't have lasted six months. And I think that, that's really important for a lot of people to understand because if you don't do your research about these opportunities, like getting a job offer is one of the most satisfying feelings in the world. It makes you feel valued. It makes you feel like, like almost like what's the word I'm looking for? Like, 
liberated. You yeah, know? Definitely. There's, there's definitely validated. some freedom yeah. validated. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, but there's that, some that's that. what I was looking for is yeah. like validation, you right. know, but it doesn't mean that you should take it. Exactly. You know, and it's like, and that's, that's where, you know, doing your research and really having an honest conversation with yourself of, okay, do I truly want this? Am I prepared? Is, I'm, is my mindset ready? You know, do I think that I would be ch sufficiently challenged in this role? Do I have executive leadership backing to do the mandate that I've been given? You know, is the funding there? Yep. You know, like there's so many different questions to ask, but it is, you know, and, and obviously unless you're facing an, a situation where you, you have to take whatever's in front of you, really do your due diligence on is this the right fit, right. you know, and carefully consider, you know, whether it is or not. So, yep. you know, when, so you mentioned that you were one of two deputy directors responsible for the insider threat program at, at the mm -hmm. Air Force Hub in, in San Antonio. When did you start, I guess, getting the itch, so to speak, of, okay, it might be time to transition? And can you kind of walk us through that process? Sure, definitely. And and I'll be, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a very transparent person. A lot of folks that know me know, um, you know, I don't hide much. Um, I'm, I'm not surface level, I, I believe. Uh, many of the things that we go through in life and through our journey, um, although they may hurt or, or feel good, they're they're not for us, right? They're they're so we can sort of look back and help others along their their path and and uh, and their walk, if you will, um, in this thing we called life. And I, I'll be honest and tell you that that I'd had the itch for a while. I actually, um, when I was at at DIA, prior to accepting the job with the Air Force. Um, I had already interviewed for a few positions uh, in corporate America um, while, you know, up in the DC area. Um, and when the air force job came along um, it really, you know, and again, and you know, you, you, whether you want to call it fate or whatever it may be um, you know, I, I, I do believe that uh, I do believe in a higher power. Right. And I do believe that, that God had sort of a plan for me to return to San Antonio that I, even I was unaware of um, because we were able to, to come back home um, in the, in, you know, a year prior to COVID a year and a half prior to COVID happening. Right. And so anyway, um, the, the, I guess the final itch, if you will, <laughs> or the, <laughs> the, the itch that, that had me um, sort of make the decision to finally leave federal service happen in the midst of COVID um, you know, uh, we were really having a lot of challenges there. I think throughout, I mean, globally, everybody was having challenges, right? Um, but um, I had a, a, an individual that I used to work for approach me and say, hey, um, because of COVID, because of the pandemic, we're having these issues at our organization. And one of the things that the board is is asking about is an insider threat program. And so we really need somebody who knows what they're doing to come in and help us get this thing going. It was an international firm, um, you know, in over 40 countries, there was going to be a lot of challenges. Um, and I'll be honest in that even when I, and, and I have a couple of sort of points, if you will, or lessons learned I want to share, but one of them is that, um, you know, to have, make sure you have mentors, but one of my mentors actually discouraged me and said, Hey, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be the first job I'd take coming out of corp, uh, coming out of federal service. You know, that's a international firm. There's things again, um, kind of a cautionary tale, right? Like, hey, there's some things you don't know. You think you know, but you really don't. You know, um, when you're in the, in sort of the safety of the federal government, there's regulations, there's laws, there's things in place that help you uh, sort of enforce certain things within the security uh, industry and apparatus that exists, right? In corporate America, as you well know, probably a lot better than me, um, there, those things don't exist all the time, right? There are some, there are some things like OSHA and different types of things that companies have to do. But as far as having, you know, a wide variety or a diverse security program, uh, many, many times it's really, um, the organization has to uh, really, really take a hard look at what the ROI is going to be or whatever that may be. Right. And I've kind of gone down, uh, I digressed a little bit, but 
Yeah, that that itch came when that individual called and said, hey, this is what we're looking to do. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, and so, again, had to had to kind of pause and and uh, do some assessment about, you know, is this is this something I want to do? Is this something I want to pursue? I honestly did not feel that my time serving in the U.S. government or serving our our uh, you know the federal government was over, but it was just a great opportunity. I'm always looking for the next challenge, to be honest with you, and sort of that next mountain to climb. Um, and I love just building out programs and building out programs and helping people out. And um, so it was just a great opportunity. I couldn't pass up at the time. I love that. Yeah. And that's, that's something also that I want to bring up is, you know, every single person's, I guess, desires or, you know, motivations Mm -hmm. for, you know, looking for a new job are different, you know, and definitely, I used to, you know, when I was, fairly new in my corporate career. I mean, I, th- I still think I am to be quite honest, but, um, you know, like we're, we're driven primarily by our perspective, yeah. you know, and our past and how we've interacted with certain things. And as I go further and further and higher up the corporate ladder, I gain additional perspective, mm-hmm. you know, I gain more empathy. I gain additional introspection, like all these different qualities that, help me hopefully make, you know, more healthy and better informed choices, but also be able to evaluate things a little bit more, um, I would say fairly, Sure. you know, and, you know, I think it's really important just to keep in mind from, from people's perspectives that work, what may work well for you and what may be important to you may not be as important as someone else, Yeah. you know, and you know, keeping that in mind as we interact and as we evaluate all these different opportunities that are out there will hopefully allow you to make a really, really informed decision about what is truly best for you, you know? And uh, I really like, you know, how you mentioned like, you know, the transparency is kind of like the bedrock of, of what, of how you interact with people, how you communicate, et cetera. And um, I really think that served you pretty well you know, in your career? Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I, I've, I've had people ask me, you know, how is it that, that, and I'll give you a quick sort of anecdotal example, right? Um, when I was on my joint duty assignment to FBI headquarters, uh, the organization I was a part of had tried for years to sort of establish a position, uh, within FBI headquarters, And, and, um, I was able to leverage relationships I had built with some great professionals that worked for the FBI and not only help my organization at the time establish a position there, but really establish a foothold and, and, uh, help to, um, craft information sharing documents with the FBI, right. And and with the DOJ writ large. Um, and I remember my boss asking me like, how did you do this? (laughs) And I really... You know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, right? And and I think because, um, to your point, I've always felt just a, maybe it's a natural knack or whatever the case may be, but um, relationships have always been really important to me. And so just like you said, I mean, even when I first met you, um, you know, you, you were kind of like kindred spirits in that sense. Um, cause I remember from, from the day I met you and I remember coming home and sharing with my wife, um, cause she had co- tried to call me while we were on the phone. She was like, you didn't pick up. And I was like, yeah, I met this guy on LinkedIn and we, we were talking the whole drive home. You know, we spent like 45 minutes talking. He's a great guy. Like he's, you know, up the street. And I think at the time you were with Dell and, yep. uh, and I was like, this guy is like willing to bend over backwards for me. He's never even met me. Um, and again, it just goes to, to your point. I think, you know, the seeds we plant in people, man, just come back um, tenfold. Right. And so I think it, I, I live by that same sort of mantra, right. I don't have an agenda. I'm not trying to um, sort of manipulate anyone and, and, and be self-serving in any way, shape or form. Um, and so I think it's just, it's just benefited, uh, me professionally. And so, um, yeah, I mean, something I've done, you know what I mean? I didn't set out to do that. It just was kind of part of it was like you said, I mean, we all have a different journey. Part of it was how I was raised and just being, doing the right thing, you know? Dude, I, I could talk about relationships like until the cows yeah. come home. 
you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I tell almost every single person that I interact with, whether it's a paid service or whether it's a 30 minute phone call sure. that found that relationships are literally the foundation of everything that we do, you yeah. know? And I mean, if I could put that on my wall, you know, and like just have it like engraved, I probably would because it has impacted my life more than anything else in the world. And, yeah. you know, it's impacted others' lives. And I mean, you can be the most highly skilled, most technically qualified person in the world, but you will never be as successful as you could be without, with the relationships. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, yeah. you know, really, really highlighting that to people who are coming out of the government in any capacity or just corporate to corporate in general, I and mean, it doesn't matter who you are, investing in others and building intentional relationships will never be a waste of time. Right. You know, right. and, you know, I, I, I tell people like almost every day, like you need to start talking to so-and-so you need to start, you know, bending people's ear. You need to start understanding what the transition looks like for a lot of different people and understand that it probably won't be the same for you, but you can still use that information to really, hopefully not make as many mistakes. Exactly. You know, you're still going to make mistakes. I mean, the transition <laughs> right. is right. trial by fire, you know, and even okay. if you have a relatively short transition, you get a job somewhere, it's still going to be a mindset switch, sure. you know, and, you know, but man, leaning on people, building relationships, you know, LinkedIn makes it super easy to do that. You know, like we've, we've never met in person. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, we built this relationship, we built this friendship. And, right. you know, it's like, I tell people all the time, especially guys who are coming out of law enforcement in the military, you yeah. know, we have that all we have that off on switch. You know, we have that situational awareness, we have that, hey, if I can't, if I haven't kicked down a door with you, then I don't trust you. Right. You know, or, you know, how does this whole like reaching out to people cold even work? You know, like, and I'm like, no, it works pretty well, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, right. I mean, yeah. I, obviously, I, you know, it's not 100% <laughs> obviously, but I mean, LinkedIn is like the only platform that I know of where you can reach out to someone and put a face with a name, right? you know, or say, hey, I'm interested <laughs> in working at Microsoft. Let me find someone who works in the same position right. at Microsoft and potentially hop on a phone call with them a couple of days later and say, hey. I, I'm super interested. What can you tell me about it? Yeah. You know, with, without, yeah. without knowing someone who can hook you up individually with someone at a company, LinkedIn is such a force multiplier. Yeah. I was and, just talking to someone, uh, <laughs> I was just talking to someone a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I jokingly said, Hey, if, if foreign intelligence services are using this thing to target people, why don't you like exactly this for professional networking? It's obviously being, you know, to some extent, you know, manipulated or exploited by our foreign adversaries, whatever the case may be. But to your point, um, it's a wealth of knowledge. You could easily reach out to someone um, that works at the same organization. And that's one of the things that I definitely would say is is a lesson learned as well, or, or sort of a key point, right? Is, um, and you hit on it, it's identify the, the organization that aligns with with um with you with your core values or maybe there's an organization you want to work at i mean i know people um sort of in the silicon valley uh industry or in the tech industry they're like hey i want to get facebook or meta right or or um google or apple i i i want to get that on my resume right i want one of these large tech organizations that way i can use that as leverage later on down the road well there's hundreds if not thousands of people you know, uh, from that organization on LinkedIn, you could easily, yep. like you said, I mean, you know, you've got to be professional about it. Sure. Um, and and um, sometimes it takes contacting 10 or 20 people before you get someone who will respond, right? Um, but there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with sort of reaching out cold and, and just trying to get some, uh, yeah. some information. Because I, I think part of part of the mistake a lot of people make, and, and um, I've made this mistake as well, is not understanding a company's culture, not understanding, uh, you know, everything you see publicly may not align with, like I said, with your core values or your principles. There may be things that for whatever reason, um, there, you know, just may not line up with, with the type of organization you want to work for. 
right? Um, so Absolutely. that's as well, like you said, do you I, do I can't tell you how many times a day I tell someone this information, but it's if you reach out to someone and they don't respond or they tell you to pound sand, you have not lost a single thing. Yeah. You know, like yep. you're no better off than you were before. Yep. You know, but if someone says, hey, absolutely, I'd love to share with you my story or I see that we share a common background, you know, right. like right. how much more likely are you to potentially build a relationship with someone and learn more about, is this a place where I want to invest 40 hours, if not more of my life? Right. You know, right. and, um, you know, like I said, it's, I know it's, it, 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 I don't know if the right word is frightening, but mm -hmm. I know it's an anxiety inducing. It's scary in some respects to seek right. a completely different home, you know, with new rules, new environment, new language, all the above, but there's help mm -hmm. and it's right in front of you, which is LinkedIn, right. you know? And so, um, you know, I know that you've, you know, you've been in your, your new role at, at a, one of the biggest hotel chains in the world for, you know, how long has it been now? Uh, so I've been there a little over a year now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like what was your, what was your process to get there? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because it's, it's um, the first job I've had uh, professionally where I didn't know someone at the organization prior to going. And mm -hmm. so when you talk about, you know, the amount of um, stress or, uh, you know, everything that's involved with not only transitioning somewhere, but transitioning to an organization where maybe you don't know the ins and outs of the organization. You don't know someone there who could help you, right? Provide some insight uh, or some perspective. Um, it, it is the first job uh, in, in my 25 year career where I did not know a single person. Um, now I can say, I can tell you that the um, process from the time I was contacted by the recruiter and the interview process and just talking with everyone um, was, was really what solidified the decision for me um, for a number of reasons. But um, I think I, I, the important thing to maybe highlight is is kind of what I mentioned before, right? Um, I love helping organizations out, especially as it relates to security programs. Um, Marriott was was dealing with um, trying to advance and mature their security program, and this was one area where um, they were hoping to get some help in. And so, as I uh, spoke to some some of the executive team there, um, it just really felt like a really good fit. Um, and then I think one of the important things, like you said, um, cause, cause I've definitely had a, a number of people ask me, uh, you know, I spent the majority of my career doing national security related stuff in, in national security related positions, right. Um, you know, counterintelligence operations and espionage investigations and that kind of stuff for the, for the majority of my career to then go and work for a hotel chain is uh, kind of night and day. You know, it's it's kind of on the extreme version of of organizations to to work for, if you will. But what I have found is that, and we talked a little bit uh, about this offline, is you know every company has a need for a security program in some way, shape, or form, right? And every company exists. They're they're serving or providing a service, if you will. Uh, especially in our society, right? When, when uh, you know, we, we live in a, uh, a country that, that's, that really strives on capitalism, um, companies are only going to make it if they're providing something that someone else is not, right? And so there are things that they do. There's, they may not be, you know, we don't make widgets. We don't build stealth aircraft or anything like that, but we definitely have a wealth of information and access to, to uh, customer information that's very sensitive. And so, um, you know, I was just really inspired by the level of buy-in from uh, the leadership at all levels and their willingness to uh, do the right thing to secure the organization uh, from top to bottom. And so that was really the deciding factor. It was uh, the things that that the executive leadership was was saying and what their priorities were and how that lined up with where I, I was at the time uh, in my career. And then just the challenge, 
right? I, when I when I look back, um, it's somewhat as I mentioned earlier, right? It's it's, it's whether it's in the military or the U.S. government, there are uh, again laws and policies and things that help you in those uh, types of positions, right? Um, if you're serving in the U.S. military or or even as a, a federal um, civilian, I mean, you have gates, guns, and, you know, fences, right? I mean, there's, there's things to help you protect. There's, there's classified buildings to help you protect sensitive information. Uh, in my mind, I'll be honest, and it's, this, this is sort of an ego thing here, but I thought, man, if I could protect or help to protect a hotel company, right? That's, I mean, talk about a huge challenge, right? Um, and so anyway, yeah, it's been a great it's been a great ride so far. I I love the culture of the organization. Um, there's definitely a balance also uh, that I was looking for in the sense of quality of life. Uh, I have young children, right? And I think you mentioned this earlier. Sometimes um, quality of life or or you know some level of uh, flexibility uh, in an organization could be a higher priority for some versus others. So like I mentioned earlier, you know, you want to find an organization that aligns with where you're where you're at in your life, where you're at and and uh, what you're looking for. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely been a great fit. I love to hear it, man. I uh, I think that says it perfectly. There's nothing else that I can add that would truly add a lot of value. But one thing I do want to focus on, if, if you'll indulge me, is. Sure. You know, I think a lot of people who are coming out of the government or just people in general, they see word like see words like insider threat, insider risk, workplace violence, mm-hmm. all these buzzwords bandied about. And sometimes there there's a lot of overlap. And so, you know, from your perspective, when you talk about your job from an insider threat perspective, how do you define insider threat? Oh man, what a great question. And there is, you know, I've, I've again been lucky enough, um, you know, one of the um, organizations that I participate in is kind of another. This is great, man. We didn't even talk about this. It's almost like it's scripted. But, you know, one of the other tips that I would share with individuals uh, who are transitioning is make sure that you get involved with professional organizations. Right. Yes. So the fine, you know, once you figure out what you want to do, uh, figure out what professional organizations exist, right? So whether it's a CFI, if you're interested in fraud, so certified fraud examiner uh, uh, organization, or if, you know, you mentioned insider threat, there are a number of insider threat related organizations that exist. Um, There is a lot of what I would call gray space, Eric, I think is probably the best way um, to, to describe it, right? When you talk about, insider threat, insider risk. Um, I do prefer to use the term insider risk. You know, there's probably five or six years ago, a couple a couple of us uh, in the industry or or who were in positions um, within the US government tried to tried to get that changed. The, the problem we faced was it was codified in executive order. And so because it's a law, it gets pretty, pretty difficult to change one term, right? Just because you don't like the way it's uh, the terminology behind it, but um, but but one of the organizations, and this is what I was going to mention a little while ago, is one of the organizations that that I participate with is INSA, um, and they have a a subcommittee for insider threat, and we wrote a white paper related to the terminology because um, there is a little bit of confusion and and lack of understanding of what insider threat means. For me, in in you know, uh, layman's terms, if you will. Insider threat is really um, someone using their authorized access, whether it's logical or physical, right, Um, to basically disrupt business operations, right? And so that could be intentional or unintentional. I know there's there's enough vendors to drive you crazy uh, with their own definitions, but if in my opinion, if you really simplify it, it's someone with authorized access, right? So an insider, I would consider somebody who has, you've provided authorized access to this individual. It could be, again, especially in today's world, right? It could be virtual. 
uh, Iraq could actually be someone with a badge to get into a building um, that causes some type of disruption to business operations, whether intentional or intentional. That could be there's there's a variety of ways people have broken down incidents or uh, incident categories, I should say. But it's things like fraud. It's things like sabotage. It's things like espionage. You mentioned workplace violence. That's another uh, very critical uh, type of incident type. Right. Um, and I think there's organizations, uh, you know, I have a real good friend um, that actually just went to work for uh, for Kroger uh, to stand up their threat assessment program. So not insider threat, but, you know, behavioral threat assessment. And that's where I think um, we've had a, a lot of talk in 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 sort of our our community about the overlap between like behavioral threat assessment and insider threat, right? Right. And again, like ATAP, ATAP's a great resource um, for for individuals in that space, whether it's workplace violence, you know, many organizations, is, uh, as you, you mentioned, you know, workplace violence, many organizations are standing up threat assessment programs. And so, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I hope that that sort of provides- Yeah, a, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, I know exactly who you're talking about from from Kroger's perspective because um, one of my former clients is is on his team now, and okay, um, could not be happier for for that individual that she found not only a job out of law enforcement, but um, found such a fantastic fit. Yeah, you know, and you know, she 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 post all the photos on, on LinkedIn all the time. And I'm like, yay, you found <laughs> something that not only is a good fit for you and your family, but it's something that you really enjoy. Right. And I think that that's something that, you know, just cannot be taken for granted. So um, what would you say? Hey, or kind me, of like, me, go ahead. Yeah, let yeah. me hit on that, man, because, you know, I think in the, I don't want to, I won't cast generic aspersions, right. But in my experience um and in my opinion i think that's why i mentioned the importance of uh figuring out what you want to do and who you want to do it for and i think mm -hmm. it's 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 often minimized right and i'll give you an example um you know many folks joined the military either right out of high school or shortly thereafter you know i i joined shortly thereafter right and could be I've met individuals who have spent 25, 30 years in the military or serving in, in federal government service that aren't passionate about what they do. And it's easy to get caught up, you know, I think especially as as because we join so early and we don't really know ourselves. We don't know what we're passionate about at that age. Right. Very few anyway are mature enough to realize what they want to do in life. Right. At that point. Um, I know I didn't. And so you you could easily end up with a resume of 25 years of blah, of like, yeah. I hate this, but I re-enlisted or I stayed, you know, I stayed in the department because it was putting food on the table. We had a fan, you know, I built my family now. I mean, can you imagine trying to, to, to make a, some type of huge career pivoting shift when you have to feed kids and, you know, uh, uh, your wife or whatever the case may be. Right. And so, exactly. so anyway, um, but I would, I would encourage anyone that if, if you're in a situation where um, it's just not something you're passionate about, don't, you know, make, make it, make a bold decision to try to do something else. I think, especially within corporate security, one of the things that I know I've learned is there's so many things you could do, Right. You could be a program manager. You could be a policy guy. You could be a, you know, uh, you can actually be some type of responder, like, you know, similar to sort of being on the beat in law enforcement, right? Um, but there's so many different opportunities just within the security industry um, that that I know I've learned about. And I, it's just, you could be in security awareness and training, which is almost like being a teacher, right? And so again, you can go serve at, at, at an academy, right? A law enforcement academy. If you don't want to be uh, maybe in some other positions, there's different administrative positions that support uh, corporate security positions. So anyway, I say all that to say, man, find find what it is you want to do in life and whatever it is yeah. you're passionate about, pursue that. Because, you know, like you mentioned, um, 
the the one individual who was a client of yours. It is just amazing when people end up in positions um, that really serve them well because uh, they serve the organization well, right? And so it's it's definitely uh, pleasing to see that. I couldn't agree more. And you know, a lot of how we get that level of knowledge is through our relationships. Yeah, you know, um, sure. to keep keep you know circling back to relationships, and so. Um, you know, I really appreciate you sharing about insider threat. You know, I, I was first exposed to, you know, insider threat when I worked at Dell mm. and, you know, one of my good friends that I met at Dell was Chris Jones mm-hmm. and, you know, Chris was building out the insider threat program at Dell and specifically, you know, I, w- I was privileged to, you know, be involved with the intellectual property um, aspect of, of the program. And I was just blown away, mm-hmm. you know, like there's so many, like, just like corporate security, there's so many different aspects of insider right. risk right. that so many people just, at least for me, my perspective, I didn't think about sure. and understanding how comprehensive a program can be, obviously, depending on, you know, where the risks are for each company right. was something that really just, caused me to have a almost a deep-seated fascination with yeah. insider risk just because, you know, like I've always been involved in physical security and crisis management and a lot of other roles. But, you know, the one thing that we are constantly told is that the number one risk to an organization are its people, right. you know, which for a lot of people just sound counterproductive. They're right. like, hold on, now we're the enemy. You know, we work here. You know, and so there's that there's that constant like um, struggle to redefine. No, nor, most people are not, you know, but we have to understand the inherent risk that exactly. our employees face, right. not only from an intentional perspective, mm-hmm. but from an unintentional perspective. Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. phishing being a super, you know, yeah. um, you know one of the easiest ways that, you know, a threat actor can get into our networks, you know? Um, and again, we can, I could go on and on. This is something that I, I really enjoy talking about, but um, you know, what do you, what aspects of the insider threat program are you like super passionate about? It's just that what you just said, it's, it's, you know, it's the people thing, you know, and uh, like I was sharing, you know, I'm such an extrovert um, and I just, I just have a passion for, for people um, and the journey they're going through. And I, and I think oftentimes um, what we miss, and I think uh, I'll say this, where I've seen people make mistakes in the insider threat community is when they build out programs, either hyper-focused on one sort of discipline that, that is involved, Right. So whether it's technology or cyber or whether it's solely on physical security side, whatever the case may be. Um, but also when they build out programs um, that are geared as hammers looking for nails instead of looking for ways to be helpful. Right. And so my philosophy has always been um, to your point, And it's interesting. You use very similar language that I've used. Uh, for a number of years, but it's that we all bring inherent risk to the table. We all do, right? So I know you're a dad, I'm a dad, right? That's, I mean, whether you like it or not, that's risk, right? There's risk involved when when I have to, you know, when I worked in DC, <laughs> when I have to commute two hours in bumper to bumper traffic, right? Up to the Pentagon or wherever the case may be. Uh, and I'm coming to work stressed out now, right? And so I may make a mistake and click on a link that I shouldn't. And so to your, you know, to use your phishing example, right? Um, conversely, I mean, just the stressors of the job, and we, you know, for those in in law enforcement, you know, when you go home, and um, we all do it, we all sort of bring those things home, whether you know, you, no matter how hard you try, right? Um, Absolutely bring those experiences home. It's who you are. And so you, you bring stress into the household and you know, as well as I do that the, the, the morning you leave your house after an argument with your wife, for whatever reason, 
your day is entirely different, or at least your morning is, right? It's entirely different than when you leave and everything is, there's harmony, everything was perfect, right? I mean, (laughs) uh, breakfast was perfect, your coffee was perfect, you're on the road, there's no traffic, and you make it to roll call with absolutely no issues whatsoever, right? Like, just a just a better day. Yeah. Right? And so your your stress is down. And so the risk that you present is, is going to be different. So anyway, um, I I just love the again, the challenge, right? And and sort of um what I'm enamored with is teaching people that don't know or understand about insider risk, just teaching them about uh the discipline itself and and just trying to sort of be a, an evangelist, if you will for the discipline, right? For, for, for people to realize that, Hey, the nomenclature does sound bad. Let's all be honest. Right. And even insider risk as soft as that is, um, it still doesn't sound good. Right. Um, people will still say, okay, instead of saying, well, okay, insider threat, you view me as a threat. Okay. So I'm a risk. And yes, you can have that conversation and explain that out. You know, it still carries some, some negative connotation, but I think, um, To answer your question, I, I love, again, uh, a part of um, probably security writ large, to be honest with you, Eric, but I know in in, in insider risks, insider threat, definitely, oftentimes, um, the education piece is minimalized. It's, it's not as prioritized as it should be. And I think the great programs, um, security awareness and training is a pillar of the program and it's a priority right to make sure that hey the workforce understands who we are what we're about what we're trying to do and what we're not trying to do right absolutely a great mentor of mine uh doug thomas um who i will call out by name because he's just a great great individual um who i would do anything for um and and he stood up uh one of the first insider threat programs in cleared industry. One of the first things he did, um, and I've really taken this uh, and used it myself, but um, he had sort of a focus group come in and and talk to folks uh, at the organization he was at. And they got rid of words like report and, um, you know, suspicious behavior. And so they further defined that stuff. And it was about engaging security or participating in the security program, right? I mean, if you think about it in our in our Western culture, right? We're we're raised to, you know, snitches get stitches and don't tattletale. And then you, yep. you, you go work for some organization, whether it's the military or, you know, in the intelligence community, whatever it may be. And the one of the first things you you get told is, well, hey, if you see anything suspicious, make sure you report that. So it goes psychologically, it goes against everything you've been taught prior to that, you know? So anyway, um, yeah, I just love the people aspect about it, man. Again, I, I apologize for going down that rabbit hole. No, it's, no, it's, it's um, you know, it's just been a, a, a great sort of um, great community to be a part of. Um, you know, it's, it's complex. It's complicated. Um, I love the challenge. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where we go in the next, you know, 10 or 15 years as, as uh, the community starts to professionalize with different certifications and those type of things. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's, it's definitely an ever evolving process and it's important to, you know, keep aware of what the industry trends, you mm-hmm. know, are and, and what's emerging and how that's affecting current practices, risk profiles, et cetera. Sure. Um, you know, as we start to wrap up the podcast, I have a couple of, of final questions for you. And, and the first is, you know, what advice would you give to people who are either in the transition process now or currently considering that? Yeah, I think I would hit on sort of some of the things we've talked about, right? Decide what you want to do, like specifically, as, as specific as you can get, decide what you want to do. There's so many things in security, like we've talked about, right? You could be a a fraud investigator. You could be an insider threat professional. You could be in physical security. Um, There's just so many things. What is it that you're passionate about? And then um, once you've decided that, like I mentioned earlier, you know, figure out where the professional, if you're not already a part of those professional organizations and, um, you know, maybe don't have that training, figure out what exists in that space. 
join the professional organization, make contacts, right? Network uh, with those individuals. If you don't have that training, make a plan to get that training. Um, you know, most organizations aren't going to, aren't going to bring you on if you don't even, if you don't have at least the basic knowledge or training in that space. Um, apart, apart from that, like I said earlier, also, you know, just identify the companies or organizations that align with that. Um, I do think, um, you know, I was listening to a couple of, of, uh, the podcasts earlier in the year and someone mentioned, um, that corporate may not be for everybody. And I do think that's true. I do think that the gray space of corporate America is not for everybody. Some of us require more structure and more, right. More, as I mentioned, sort of those guardrails. Um, and that's okay. That that's okay. Right. Like that's not failure. Realizing where you fit in, in this, in this world is, is actually success. Um, but I would identify those companies that align with your core values um, you know, find a resource or a mentor like yourself, right? A, a, somebody that can help help you maybe that's been down that path before uh, or someone that can point you in the right direction. Um, and then the last thing I would just add is, hey, man, delay, delay is not denial. Realize that um, there you may have to take a step down or back if, if you're really committed to a specific role, if you don't want to be like a a generalist in security or whatever the case may be. But if you really are are focused in on a specific position uh, or type of position, I should say, within the security uh, discipline, realize you may have to take a securitist route to get there, right? You may have to take yeah. um, a role in policy or a role in security awareness and training. If you want to yeah. be a fraud investigator, maybe the organization isn't looking for that right now. Um, get in the door. Just get in the door. If that's truly the organization you want to go work for, get in the door and then uh, figure out a way or build a plan with your manager on how to get there. Awesome. Second question I have is, I know we touched on, you know, how to get involved with Insider Thread and ATAP is obviously a fantastic organization. But one of the things that I hear consistently from people is, okay, well, beyond joining the organization, is there training that I can take to further my threat management aspirations. And beyond the certified threat manager certification and the Carnegie Mellon one, mm-hmm. are there is there any corporate training specifically geared toward providing an overview of threat management or allowing people just to build further awareness that you would recommend? Yeah. Uh, and I want to be careful. I don't, I don't want to discourage folks. Um, one of my frustrations that I'll share um, that I, I've seen in the community for years um, is definitely, you know, there's a need for exactly what you're saying, right? There's obviously a need for it. And that gap uh, or that need has been filled by by individuals and vendors that don't necessarily know what they're doing uh, or who have never done insider threat. And that's definitely as a professional, like any profession, right? When you see folks um, taking advantage of situations and um, claiming to do things that that they don't have experience, any profession would be um, sort of frustrated by that, right? Um, what I would say is, like you said, the Carnegie Mellon training exists and it's very good. Um, the University of Maryland has a certification that they just released uh, within their um, uh, within our list, which is the Applied Research lab for i think it's for information security um i could definitely get you the link uh to be posted with with this podcast but uh, our list is now they they were the benefactor of years of work that was done by the department of defense uh for their internal certification program and so that it now was it was actually recently um released for basically the public um i actually think it was just last week if not week before um, the other thing I would say is there's, there's a couple of organizations I do trust, um, as it relates to insider threat or insider risk. I would definitely read, um, Eric Shaw's, he just released a book, um, but, but he also wrote a white paper that many, uh, a couple of years back, probably over a decade now, uh, that many of individuals have used and referenced as a staple uh, for the insider threat community, 
and, and it's called the critical pathway to insider risk. It's very similar to Calhoun and Weston's um, you know, pathway to, to violence, right? And so, but it's uh, a little more uh, focused in on insider threat, insider risk. So I would, I would read anything Eric Shaw wrote, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, he's a great individual. He has no sort of um, maligned uh, agenda or motivation, right? He's a, he's truly, truly uh, uh, just a great individual, great professional. I know he does some work with Signpost. Um, I know they're overseas. I can't remember exactly where they're located. Uh, I've never taken their training, but I've heard a lot of great things about their training. So I would I would definitely awesome. Drop, drop yeah, I know. just. I just looked up the certification that you're referring to from UMD, which is the global counter insider threat professional certification program. And I'm, I'm just like, super peaked (laughs) now. Um, It says registration is opening in September. I'm definitely going to, going to reach out because um, I'm super interested in it from, from my own professional development perspective. And I'll make sure to, to post the link when we post this podcast on LinkedIn and other places as well. But um, really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, DCSA, right. They have um, CDSE, which is their education arm. There's a lot of free stuff on their site. I'm sure as you know. Um, And then the other, the other place that um, has done research in this space um, is Perserac, the personnel security research center out in California. And they have the threat lab uh, that Stephanie Yarrow stood up. And so there's a lot of free things out there. What I always tell folks is, is read, get out and just read. The more you want to know about insider threat, like read, right? Read incidents. Look at the, you know, the, the Tesla just, you know, filed. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. Folks, right? Like all those are use cases, right? When you, if you're interested in this, those are the things you got to read, read the indictments. You know, uh, a good friend of mine, Stacy Moy, who still works for uh, the FBI out in California, they just, uh, the DOJ just indicted two Navy um, individuals, right, for committing espionage. Read those indictments. Right. See the, the, you know, those things will give you perspective. Now, again, depending on where you go work, right, those things will give you perspective into insider threat and the types of things that insider threat programs, depending on the organization, could could in fact focus on, right? So, um, those are all relevant. They're happening every single week, right? Not a week goes by that we don't hear about somebody, um, again, intentionally or unintentionally, like you mentioned. I mean, there's a number of organizations that have had um, uh, unintentional incidents that are even relevant to insider threat, right? So, um, yeah, I would just say read, 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 read. Be careful what what vendor. I'm more than willing if anybody reaches out um, you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to provide my thoughts on different vendors. I just, uh, would rather not post those. Publicly. Sure. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Say no more. And <laughs> no, nor, nor would I ask you to do so in, in a public forum. Um, but yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, I'm just, I feel like I've learned so much just through this, you know, the past hour conversation that we've had and, you know, it just goes to show you, you know, that two people having a conversation about shared interest can just really open up a lot of doors, but also like cause us to think in different ways. And, you know, I've learned, I've learned multiple things that I'm going to take with me to my job. I hope you've learned things as well. And um, I just really want to thank you for not only being willing to share your valuable time, but also being willing to share your story with the hope that it helps at least one person make a more informed decision. Yeah, definitely. And I I think, I mean, like you said, you know, relationships are so critical. I know we're um, getting ready to wrap up what I would, you know, the only thing, if, if, like I said earlier, um, I'm more than willing to help anyone out. I mean, any, anybody who hears this, um, you know, uh, in, 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 in uh, the near term or in the future, 10 years from now, if I'm still around, uh, more than willing to help anybody out as, as in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here as a, really as a resource for folks, uh, like you said earlier, better to learn from someone else's, you know, challenges and, and even mistakes, right. So you don't make them on your own. And so, uh, really Eric, I just thank you for what you do, you know, for, for the security community. Um, definitely we've benefited, um, because of who you are as a person, 
um, and because of your passion. And so I, I really thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. And that means more to me than you'll most likely ever know. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just honored to be able to be in this position to pay it forward as, you know, so many people did for me when I made the transition out. So, um, JT, thanks again for, for being here. Thanks again for, you know, sharing your story and your wisdom with us. And I can't wait to see what kind of feedback we get from people who get the privilege of listening to your story as many times as they want to. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks a lot.